Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit ilovescbc.org. Well, good morning. Isn't that a wonderful, the God Sabbath day that we come before Him through the Spirit to worship our Lord together. On behalf of our staff and service, Lord, uh, I want to welcome you that you have glad to join our live streaming service this morning. How many of you are blessed this morning so far? Can you just say amen? You know, I know, you know, when I came here about 11, 12 years ago and experienced so many different style of worship, because of where I was born and grew up, it's very traditional. You don't even dare to raise, probably one hand's fine, but both hands. You don't even dare to stand up and clapping and dancing. Oh, no, no way. We'll call that blasphemy. But as I came to this you know, country experience, especially African-American worship, and through the blessings of our choir director, music minister, Stacy, it's just such a joy in experiencing Jamaican rhythm. And I found myself really just breaking the shell of my norm. You know, when it comes to praise and worship God, there's no certain form. We got to be respectful, but whatever the Holy Spirit leads you, make sure that you gladly enjoy and gladly worship our God together. I hope as you have been partaking this service, that's your mindset. You're not just watching this service. You're not just watching me. No, we are participating in this holy service together. Before that you receive this word of God, I hope your heart, your mind, your spirit is to ready to receive that word. Amen? Amen. You know, for three weeks now that we are in the middle of our second summer sermon series called Jesus, the Master Storyteller. So what we've been doing for the last three weeks is trying to looking at some of the parables Short stories that are unfamiliar with us because it's not like that we've learned that we've heard the preachings a lot. Also, some of the parables that are mainly misunderstood by many other Christians. We've been looking at those parables and trying to find this kingdom spirit felt, loved lessons that we can apply to our life. You know, the parable, as I've been saying for the last few weeks, parable is a small story that teaches a big idea. You know, they are the simple stories. They are easy enough to memorize. People can relate to them, sometimes a little off of their day-to-day life, but this understanding of the context is just so real. So they can easily remember those stories. They are simple enough that even children, the little ones, can memorize, the little one can't even understand. But they're also profound and complex enough that they can even stun those who are highest religious leaders. You see that? These parables are small, brief stories that packed and big, life-changing, earth-sharing stories. Now, let's talk a little bit about Jesus' parable before we begin our lesson today. Jesus' parables are the most famous stories in the history of the world. Jesus is the perfect 
storyteller. He is the master storyteller. Even some of, the, some of you guys who are people who are not Christian, they really don't know anything about Jesus Christ. They know the story of, let's say, prodigal son. They know the stories about good Samaritan, right? People remember because those stories and parables are so famous. These are the parabolic stories that Jesus told a few thousand years ago that still lives on us as a living, a living lesson today. You know, Jesus' parables are short. Usually between one verse to 22 verses. And also it depends upon how you define the parables. There are about 35 to 38 parables in the synoptic gospel. In the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we call synoptic gospel, um, there are roughly 35% of Jesus' teaching is in the form of parable. So if you want to understand who Jesus Christ truly is, if you want to understand his teachings are, you have to understand these parables of Jesus Christ. And as we continue to study these parables, we find that the Gospel of Luke is filled with these parables. In fact, the two-thirds of all Jesus Christ's parables are in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. 18 parables of Jesus Christ are unique to the Gospel of Luke, meaning that they are not recorded anywhere else in the Gospel, in the Bible. So if you didn't have the gift of the Gospel of the Luke, that we've been missing these great stories that Jesus Christ told us. These great stories, life-changing, earth-shattering, and history-altering changes. And then most of the parables happen between the chapter 10 and chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke. And that's exactly where we find ourselves today. Now, that being said, let's look at our passage, okay? What we're going to do, we're going to read one more time because it's just short, very brief parables. You know, it's only four verses. So let's read it all together. And then we're going to find out what did it mean to the first hearer and what it means to us in our lives. So Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser or his gardener, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put it on manual. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. That's it. Simple story. That is the whole story. So let's take a look at what did it mean to the first hearer first. As I said, when you study the parables, you have to know the context. And by the grace of God and through Jesus Christ, he always put the context Usually before he starts 
telling these stories. So if you take a look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, he talks about repentance. He's privately comparing with these worst sinners, those old pagan worshippers, those Gentiles, and comparing them. You know what? Those who are bad, but if you don't repent, if you don't repent, you're not as good as, you're not as better than them. You are exactly the same. So make sure to repent. So this parable is about with repentance. But I believe this parable takes a little farther step, right? Jesus started talking about repentance, but in this parable, it's more than just repentance. Because this is a story. It's a parable about the landowner who had been waiting patiently for a fig tree on his property to bear fruit. But every year, he went out and looked at the tree, and you know, there was nothing. There was nothing in the way of any usable fruit. So he commanded his manager, you know, to just cut it down. And his manager simply pleading to give it one last chance. That's it. This is a very simple story. But to me, the first hero is not about repentance only, right? It talks about now you've been failing for several years. You got to repent. There is a sin. You have to repent and receive Jesus Christ as your own Savior. But that is not it. You got to do the further step. That is to bear fruit. You see that? A lot of Christians, especially if you were born and grew up in a church like me, you know, if you've been in the, sitting in the church for your lifetime, many Christians misunderstood what true Christianity, what true believer of Jesus Christ means. They think that, you know what? I receive my Jesus Christ as my Savior. I ask for the repentance of my sins. And that's good. You know, once I belong to Jesus Christ, I go to heaven, and that's it. There is a very simple two-step. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior with your faith. By repentance of your sin, now you can go to heaven, right? But this passage, this parable, talks a lot more important about, no, 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 there is a more important thing. There is as important as a uh, repentance as well as the kingdom of heaven, in between part that is called a life. Fruitful life. The life is filled with fruit. And then there are a couple of lessons that we can learn from these parables. And I believe the first lesson is this. In this parable, Jesus Christ is teaching us that God cares about fruitfulness. Can you say that with me? God cares about fruitfulness. Of course God cares about your repentance. Of course God cares about you being saved, you being born again. But God also did care about your faithfulness. And I believe that here, this passage, in this parable, there is a one question that is seeking to be answered, right? As I said, does God care about result? Yes or no? Yes, God cares about result. Yes, God cares about outcome and result. God cares about effectiveness. God cares about performance. And here is the one word that encompasses all of this parable is fruit. God cares about fruitfulness. 
Fruitfulness here is a good work. Good works, obedience, a changed life, a living a kind of life that makes a difference, that makes an impact to your family and your friends and your community. That when, when your life on earth is done, people miss you because you are a gifted man or woman to your family, to your friends. When you are finished your life in here, they miss you because you are the one who led your family, your friends to the Lord. You are the channel of God's grace then. And you provide wisdom, you provide generosity, help, service, encouragement to them. You are faithful. That you are not just consumer while you are on earth. You are a producer. You see that? There's a two different mentality. And where, where the, the world that we're living right now, you know, as we are so, so into this consumer mentalism, you know, as long as I pay for this, I deserve this, right? You go to McDonald's, right? You pay for it, you know what exactly you want to get it, and within, let's say, a minute or so, you get your deal, you get your meal. And that is not helpful for the Christian Especially as we are walking in our lives. Especially as we care for. It's not about repentance only when it comes to Christ. No, there is a life. Life should be filled with the spiritual fruit that God has commanded to you. You know, once you meet Jesus, you are supposed to become increasingly faithful. Right? But once you meet Jesus Christ, you are also um, supposed to become increasingly fruitful. A lot of Christians, oh, they're good at with faithful, right? Oh, I believe you, Lord, that you are in me and just between in one relationship. No, God says faithful is great, but where is your fruit? I saved you through my beloved son. That means I, cry, I sacrificed myself for you. Where is the work? Where is the fruit? As you are a born-again Christian, every single year, you got to bear the little more fruit. you got to bear the little more fruit throughout the course of your life, demonstrating your character, your love, your affection, your generosity, because you are already in Christ. A lot of people kind of mixed up with this order, right? You know, I'm doing great work. You know, I'm a great man or woman. I have a good character, so I'm deserved. To go to heaven. No, 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 no. You are not. I'm sorry to say that. You are living in a sinful world. You are not perfect. Okay? And once you are born again, once you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, once you ask for the repentance of all your sins, now that you are forgiven from that generosity, from that mercy, from that grace, now you are acknowledging how grateful I am. From there... With your loving and caring and grateful heart, you act upon. You've been generous the same way that Christ was generous to you. You know, you've been loving the same way that Christ was loving to you. You've been caring for others the same way that Christ was caring for you. You even sacrifice some important, you know, uh, portion of your life. Why? Because Christ has sacrificed everything for you. That's why what the Bible says is so true, right? Jesus says this, If you are abiding me, I will abide in you. You will bear much, what? Fruit. The fruit that will last. 
Bearing fruit it should not be before that you're saved. I mean, before everything that you do out of your great heart, that's great. But especially once you are born again Christian, once you receive Jesus Christ as your own Savior, once you are abide in Jesus, right? There is a bread, there is a trunk, and there is a bread. Jesus Christ, once you're connected to Jesus, rely upon in Jesus Christ, your job is to stay faithful, right? But another job is to make sure that you are prosperous. Make sure that you bear much fruit. And brothers and sisters, I think this is a perfect time. Can you imagine that? It's already month of August, actually. End of month of August. How many of you actually live with me? Feel like this year, feel like I've lost whole chunk of par. You know, since this COVID-19 started from the month of March, and then I was just busy, 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 trying to do something, trying to just get used to it, trying to ride on this, this wave or wave of this new transition. And the moment I realized that, it's already August. This year makes you probably be confused. And you had all your New Year's resolution. You had all this great plan that how you are to serve the Lord. Now you can't even come to the church. What's the point of this having all my plan? Because it was with this church. It was with my brothers and sisters. Somehow that God, through this pandemic crisis, teaching you, giving the words of encouragement. Hey, Dave, it is your time to reflect on how fruitful you are. And try to start from your family. Try to start around your neighbor. I mean, you can do that thanks to these old technologies. Internet, email, and texting, and even handwritten cards. Do that. Make sure that you are not ceasing to bear fruit, excusing them because of the circumstances. No. Do you know the Christian is pretty much the only group of people not excusing the circumstances? You know, not saying that, Lord, because of this circumstance, I can't do that. No, we are the men and women of intuitive. You know, we are always like to say, despite, however, in spite of, despite all this pandemic crisis, I can serve you, Lord. You know, as I started this live streaming since March, I thought this live streaming would probably go in this form Probably give or take a couple of months, right? So I didn't really have any plan. I just come here. I found it's really weird, but strange. But still, I was grateful that we have some kind of means to, you know, just have worship together. But as I was walking on this very difficult time in the pandemic crisis, you know, I got a little nervous. I got a little kind of literary and downturn because of the worry for the people and for the church. How can we do the church without having fellowship? We're like small family church. Fellowship is a big portion. How can we even worship the Lord? Because of that is a big portion. But once I read this story, once I meditate upon this parable, you know, another thing that I learned, do not excuse. No. God never promised you that you're going to be living pain-free, trouble-free life. No, God promised you, regardless of your circumstances, I will be with you. So be strong and courageous. Brothers and sisters, ask yourself, this is a perfect time to look back on, not excusing anymore, just evaluating your life. How fruitful that I have been. 
Have I been just using this pandemic crisis, this COVID-19, and saying, you know what, it's okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'm fine. I'm not making any progress. No. And Jesus Christ said that regardless of your circumstances, make sure to bear much fruit. Just ask yourself, have you been bearing fruit in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been bearing much fruit in relationship with your spouse and your kids? Have you been really bearing much fruit in terms of your spiritual life? This is time that you have to ask yourself. Because God wants to bear much fruit. As I was thinking about that, I have this big burden in my heart. Because I was with you. And I feel like, hey, we're having this whole online. We can't even knit. So I wasn't even thinking about outside of the box and then trying to be fruitful, but be maintaining. But you know what? When it comes to Christian life, when it comes to Christian life, there is no way in between. You're either going backward or forward. Okay? Once you stop, then you're going backward. Once you just kind of confine yourself, then you know what? I'm fine. You know what? Everything's happening. I'm not going. Once you're not making any progress, you're going backward. So I would encourage you, this church, using this time, this is a perfect opportunity to bear fruit. Before, when I went to the market basket, because that's one of my favorite stores, everything is so cheap and good quality, and I get to see a lot of actually different people, all right? So when I went to the market basket, especially on the lines, um, before, we talked to, try to, I try to talk, I try to talk to people, and I let them know that I'm a pastor, and they, were ne- they never seemed to be caring about my position as a pastor, okay? When I said pastor, oh, that's good, that's it. But ever since this pandemic crisis took place, whenever I go to market basket, whenever I go to the other market, you know, we're in kind of line in six feet, but we can still talk, right? Or we just, you know, um, in a pass by, and whenever I get a chance, I'll try to talk to them, say hi, how just everything. And, and through that conversation, I'll let people know that I'm a pastor so I can actually pray for them. And you have no idea how many people feel appreciative just having this dialogue as clergy or a pastor. Things got changed. And that's when I realized this pandemic crisis is not bad at all. We as a Christian, this pandemic crisis is a great opportunity. You know, it's not about this great hero that are doing well during flourishing and everything is good. No, the hero comes out of when it's most difficult circumstances. And I believe Christianity is going to be continuously flourishing the moment like this. I would encourage you, all of the board and community members, the same way that you have done, make sure that you have a plan, starting from this September. You have a plan to really reach out those who are in need. Deacons and our missions board and all those who are, make sure we're not excused because of these circumstances. God is encouraging you to bear much fruit. Amen? The second lesson that we can learn from this passage is this. God gives a second chance. Amen. God gives a second chance. And here's a man owns this property, vineyard, in the parable. And apparently, he got all of trees numbered out, right? And he keeps coming back every year, checking on those fig trees, whether or not those fig trees are, you know, bearing some fruit or 
not. And he said, as he visited the third year in a row in this particular fig tree, knowing that not bearing any figs, I said, this tree for three years, fig free, what a worthless tree. Cut it down and throw it into the fire. That's what's going to happen. I'm sure that some of you are probably being a Christian all your lifetime. Some of you probably have come to this church, you know, even through the live streaming right now for months and years. And bearing no figs. There is no fruit at all. And if I ask you, what have you done in your Christian life? Probably say nothing. What have you given? Nothing. I'm afraid that some of you are fig free. Some of you are the fig free. And there is an owner in this story who comes along and he said, cut it down. Why? Because you do not bear any fruit. You haven't bear any outcomes. Cut it down because it's worthless. Throw it into the fire, okay? Now, as I was actually reflecting upon this story, and I found myself, this owner is a lot like me. You know, there are three things that I like. Three things. Result, result, and result. That's it. The three things that I like, all the result, those are my favorite things, okay? So I read this story. A guy came seeing the three years in a row without bearing figs on this tree. He said, cut it down. Perhaps I throw it into the fire. I found myself, that's right there. And that is a good story because there is no result. There is no fruit. There is no outcome. But you know what? God's not like me. God is not like that which you should be grateful, which we should be grateful for that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be joining this live streaming service. God, instead of saying, cut it down, throw it into the fire, God comes and says, no, let's give it a second chance. Let's give it another chance. You know, let's just try to give it another chance to see what it can do. God is not the God of judgment only. God is not only just mad and just outrageous, try to punish you, right? Some of you probably have an image of God who, you know, who holds his ox and the clipboard and checking off all the things. Oh, you didn't do this? Too bad. Go to hell. God is not like that. God is the God of second chance. How many of you are grateful for that? I am. I made a lot of meth in my life previously, but despite that, God has given me the second and third and fourth chances to be able to come and serve and worship our God as a local pastor here. If you take a look at the Bible, throughout all this great spiritual figure, we find that the God is a God of second chance, right? Think about the Peter, great disciple, you know, one of three, the core members of Jesus Christ's disciple, yet Remember, he's a guy who denied Jesus Christ three times when Jesus Christ was really most in need of his friends and his disciples. He denied. However, Jesus gave him a second chance. And Peter went on to ministry and built the church. How about Apostle Paul? He was persecuting this Christian. Not only that, he was a big part of executing on those Christians. 
Yet there was a second chance with the grace and mercy of our God. When God, through Jesus Christ, came upon them, that on the way to Damascus, he was received. Salvation by the grace and mercy of our God. After that, oh, he went on to every single part that is called the known world around. Pretty much the whole world from the Apostle Paul's mindset. He went there. Star churches, doing the ministries, and until the end, he wrote half of New Testament. Think about that. You know, let's come into the Old Testament. How about Moses? He was a robber. You know, he was a murderer. He killed Egyptian guard, right? But because of God's grace and mercy, he was given a second chance. And he was able to use as a great spiritual leader, take these Israel people out of captivity and also lead them into this wilderness, have them into the conquered promised land through his successor on Joshua. Think about King David. You know that King David is a great man of faith. You know, he killed the Goliath with sling. He was also mother. Because of his, you know, adultery, because of his desire to acquire his commander's wife, he let his commander, his servant, are killed, right? But that's not the end of the story. God has given him the second chance. And he was able to continuously being a very generous and faithful king. Let's think about our old human race. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a point that God said, that's it. I can't take it anymore, right? And I will sweep over with my great flood. But that is not a story, right? God, among his outrageous, among his anger, God also has given the second chance. He left this racist family of Noah and all different animals so that after this judgment, after this sentence, they can start this whole human story and a whole creature world again. You see that God is a God of second chance. I know that some of you are just looking back on your life. You feel like, oh my God, why I did that? Why had I done that one? I don't think I'll be able to be forgotten. I don't think I'll be able to be forgiven. You know what? God is a God of second chance. God is telling you right now, it's okay, made a mistake, that's fine. I'm here for you. God's image is not like he's closed his arm, looking at us to be judgmental. I mean, he's a righteous God, but I think that God's posture is more of loving, just ready to embrace. I know you made a mistake. I know your previous life was messed, but it's okay. I'm here for you. I send out my son, Jesus Christ, to save you from all your sins. Made another, another mistake, another sin. That's okay. I will be there for you. I will forgive you. But however, I want you to be in mind on one thing. There is a second chance because God is a God of second chance. There will be perhaps a third and fourth or fifth chance. But in this story, right, if the fruit, if the fig tree is not bearing fruit next year, the following year, what's going to happen? That's it, right? There will be time that God says, that's it. Time's up. Enough is enough. There will be the time of judgment. There will be the time that God will say that there is no more grace and no more mercy. 
So make sure to be upon God. Make sure to open yourself and leave your life upon the Lord. Let Him know that, Lord, that you are the God of second chance, but I will not take that for granted. I will take the chance, and I will use the chance for the glory of God. Don't take advantage of God's second chance. Use it fearlessly. Use it honestly. Use it humbly. So when God comes, and through the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, He will say that, good and faithful servant. I hope and pray your desire would be fruitfulness. Don't be ashamed of the areas that you are not bearing fruit. Be honest about them. Bring them unto the Lord. Don't make any excuses and don't settle for fruitlessness. By the grace of God, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can be fruitful. Let me finish by giving you three practical lessons on how can we be fruitful, okay? I hope that you will write that down, and if you're smart enough, you can just memorize those three quick lessons. So how can we be fruitful in our lives? The first lesson is this. Measure fruitfulness, not business, okay? Measure fruitfulness, but not business. I know because of this COVID-19, your life was kind of a little slowed down, but I don't think so. I mean, in your mind, if you're like, like me, I never felt like I'd slow down. No, I was more, I'm more, I was, I should say, I was more anxious. You know, I was more busy. My mindset is just spinning and spinning and spinning, not knowing what to do with this very uncertain time. So make sure to measure fruitfulness, but not business. How many of you are, especially women, you're late for your work, and you are an expert multitasker, right? While you're driving, you can put your makeup, you can put your lipstick, you can do all your hair done, and then you can even send a couple of texts that you can't do it anymore right now. And then you, by the time you get back to work, you're all ready. And some of you, if you were like me before, you know, I measure business as a place of fruitfulness. Oh, I'm busy, I'm good. You know, I'm busy for the ministry. I'm busy for, you know, my pastor ministry, so I am fruitful. no. I feel like I was just spinning like a little hamster on the wheel. I was running and running and running, not knowing what I am doing, not knowing what I was doing. Make sure if you want to be fruitful, not measure business, but measure fruitfulness. Measure fruitfulness. How can we measure fruitfulness? I believe to start from having the right perspective. Always from top to bottom. If you're having a hard time to plan something, always start from top. What is the most important thing? And start from there, plan it down. Make sure to measure all your fruitfulness. Make sure that sometimes you're willing to give up some good things in order for you to be able to take the better, if not best, things. Have the right perspective. Have the right schedule and plan in your mind and have the right spirit that is walking with you. Make sure to measure your fruitfulness. And then business is not the fruitfulness. The second lesson that we can learn here is this. Turn your pains into plans. Turn your pains into your God-given or divine plans. I can't imagine how many of us are really struggling right now in and out, right? Physically, mentally, spiritually. I haven't really heard anybody say, you know what? I'm good. Oh, this is my best moment in my life because of all this time that I... No. Every single person that I met for the last four or five months, especially toward the, the closer the time, 
month of July or month of August, a lot of you have told me that, Pastor, it's a difficult time. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I'm having a lot of struggles and pains and troubles in my life. But you know what? It is when you are lowest of the lows and when you are struggling with all your pains, when you're suffering from things, that's when God saying that, I'm making you right now. I'm molding you right now. I'm bringing your pain and turn that into godly plan. How many of you are like me experienced? Your worst possible moment in your life when you put your total faith upon God and turn into the, one of the best God lead and God delivered plan. Right? So make sure to appreciate and even have this great expectation upon your suffering. If you are struggling, if you have a pain, one of the best things that you can bear fruit, especially spiritual fruit, is to turn your pains, turn your struggles, turn your sufferings into plans. The last lesson that we can learn is this. Repent of sins of commission and omission. What do I mean by that, Pastor? Return, repent of sins of commission and omission. Make sure to evaluate your life. Let's say this year. You know, repent of the sins of commission means repent of sins of the things that you're not supposed to do, and you did that. Make sure that you repent and evaluate to take the lesson out of it. Repent of the sins of omission is the things that you're supposed to do that you haven't done that. Make sure to evaluate your life and be honest with God and asking for the forgiveness. And may the God provide all this great flow and new start of as you are repenting of the sins of commission and omission. Brothers and sisters, I know this is a very difficult time, but one thing that, most important thing that I learned from this parable it's not about repenting. It's not about receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's great. And that's essential of our Christian life. The one thing that I learned here, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your difficult times, make sure to find ways to bear fruit in your personal life, spiritual life, relationship with your husband and wife, in relationship with your kids, in relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and in relationship with your neighbor, in relationship with your community, bearing much fruit. That is the lesson believe that God is telling you. Do not let this circumstance, pandemic circumstance, be your excuses. Oh, pastor, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. As I was reading and studying this word of God, this parable, my heart was just pumped, uplifted. That's right. This circumstance is nothing. If I have Christ within me, if I have my brothers and sisters, my leadership, my staff actually walking together, we can make fruit. We can bear through the way that Jesus Christ intended for this church. So may the grace and mercy of God be upon you as we, as one body of Christ, the church, make sure that we march forward to bear much fruit. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you asking for your guidance and your spiritual leadership because we learn from this parable, Lord, it's not about salvation only in our Christian life. No, there is a very important middle portion that is called the life on the earth. The Bible says we have to extend the kingdom of God here on earth as well. That means we have to bear much fruit, Lord. 
I know that, Lord, you are the God, God of mercy and God of grace. You are the God of second chance. But you also want us to take that grace as we feel grateful and gracious about it that we are also given this commission of the things that you want us to do in our lives. So make sure, Lord, during these very difficult times, march out to this community, march out to our neighbors and families to be the fruit of their life, be the spiritual fruit, be the encourager, be the person who generously helped them, be actually hands and feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may you use this congregation, especially the light in this very dark, uncertain time, to shine forth the light of Jesus Christ, those you are in need. We pray for all now the only Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 